All right, listen, this next person on the show was actually our first guest here. Everybody loves her. Every time I go anywhere, people are like, where's Lunel? Lunel is in the building, and she's here with me, Damage in Blue. Lunel, look, I've known you since I, I think I've known you. I've known you longer than everybody I know except for Queen Latifah. You literally, I've known you since I was maybe 16 years old. Yes, yes, yes. It was a little hot ass. <laughs> what was Jason like when he was 16? I need to know. No, no, we, no, no we know we're not, yes. going there. we're not going there. You got to read the book. But look, Lunel, <laughs> Lunel was the first guest on this show uh, that showed us the potential of what this show could be. It was wild and fun, but it was literally like me catching up with my homie. And then she was the first guest on our show when we went national. And, and I'm mad that you weren't able to be our first show when we got picked up by Fox Soul because you had just been <laughs> on Fox Soul. But either way, like you'll always be a staple here at the show and in my life. So I just wanted to welcome you back. That's awesome, Jason, because everybody don't get that kind of love from you. <laughs> really don't. Or 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 really be in my life that long either. Because or be in my life that long. I mean, we're talking like 30. Oh yeah, that part. That part. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, we've been pretty consistent for like probably 30 years now, you know. But I also, th- I also think it's the what you see is what you get vibration. You know, like what you see with you is what you get. What you see with me is what you That's get. That's true. Like, That's you true. Don't like it. We ain't going to change for nobody. It is what it That's is. That's right. That's right. Uh, I don't like I, the fake shit. It makes my stomach hurt. And I can spot it and smell it within minutes. And now we've got a problem because either the fake person has to go or I do because it's going to be a problem. I can't take the fake shit. So it is, like you say, what it is. Damage Blue, one of the greatest pieces of advice I got from somebody uh, was from Lunell. And this was when I was first here in L.A. She would call and check up on me because I used to be at every fucking party. I used to be around every fucking celebrity. I wanted to be everywhere all the time. And I never understood (laughs) why people didn't appreciate me more, you know. And she said to me one day, she said, You know, baby, one day you're going to learn that you don't have to be the staple of every event, but you can become the event. And it hit me so hard when I tell you I literally stopped going everywhere and only (laughs) felt like I needed to go. And so I want to thank you enough for giving me that. How did you get to that idea that somebody doesn't have to be everywhere to be respected or acknowledged, but they just they need to figure out working on becoming valuable so people acknowledge them when they show up? Well, I got to tell you, I learned that as well. But I learned it from a very unlikely person who was not in showbiz. It was my husband. And my husband said, make them crave to see you. Don't yeah. be so common. Don't be everywhere. Make them, when you when you show up, it's a big fucking thing. Don't go to every little thing. Every little thing don't deserve you. And he told me that. And that's when you got that black love, that support. You know, and, and he told me that. And then I stopped doing that. And it did become a bigger deal when I did show up because even the person whose event it was, they're like, oh, my event must be the shit she showed up here to mine, you know? Yeah. I love that you mentioned that because there's something that you showed up at recently that's completely shocked me at two o'clock in the morning. My best friend and I loved the original Coming to America. And so we waited until the stroke of midnight to watch it. And for whatever reason, we had no idea that you were going to be on it. When we saw you, we literally started clapping like Hercules. We got so excited. We're like, oh, Lunel, this is about to turn up. And I was like, wait a minute. There's something about just looking at your face 
that brings black people joy. Like you literally yes. make people happy on site. And I guess my question is, how have you ever had any regrets or had an opportunity that you missed out for being too authentic? Because with you, you're a straight shooter. I love it, but this industry is so fake sometimes. I'm just in awe that you you still thrive in the middle of all this fraudulence, for lack of a better word. Thank, thank you. Um, well, as far as the recognition part, um, it is cool until it's not. You know, I am still a mother and, mm-hmm. you know, my daughter has had to share me with the public since she was born. You know, mm-hmm. it's never a meal that goes without someone coming to the table or whatever like that. So sometimes that can be a bit much. But guess what? The alternative is that you don't have it and nobody fucking with you and don't care that you're there. But I also know this and and, and take it for what it's worth. It may sound conceited. But this is a fact. I watched so many old movies and stuff when I was growing up and I was by myself that I learned what the it factor is. Mm. And I just happen to have the it factor. Yes, people do get happy on sight when they see me and they want to hug me and they want to kiss me. Thank God for the goddamn Rona because these motherfuckers are about to kill me in these streets with their fucking perfume and cheap ass makeup and fucking uh, hairspray and shit hugging all over me and it wasn't sanitary and I had just started to not have meet and greets like that before the Rona came because it was just a matter of time because I have really severe allergies. I can't even sleep on down pillows in the hotel. You know, it makes my eyes swell up and my lungs swell up. So it's been sort of a good thing for me to be able to keep some distance, you know, from people like that. Well, speaking of coming to America, speaking of coming to America, too, you and Leslie Jones worked together on that project. I know that you guys had some disagreement that had come out of being on tour with Cat Williams. And and you talked about recently, like, you know, making up or making amends and getting through that. How important was that for you to be able to do that or, or or was it just luck and timing? Well, I didn't give a shit if it happened or not, but it was best that it did happen, you know, because I had been living for many years happily with this beef that was hers, not mine. So I didn't have anything to be tripping on. I didn't care whether we did or not, but for the sake of the film, for the integrity of the film, for the integrity uh, of us as black actresses, it was best that we were able to put her differences aside and me explain things that have been misunderstood over the years. And so it turned out better because we did play sisters after all. But did she come to you? I mean, how did it, did you walk on set and look at her like, bitch, stay over there on your side of the street or did? No, the first day on set, and I knew that there was stank vibe between us, but the first day on set, um, you know, I saw her and she was already in wardrobe and she had this little wig on and looked kind of cute, you know, compared to what some styles that had been on her previously. But this wig looked really good. And I said, hey, what's up, Leslie? You ought to keep your hair like that after the show. It looks really nice. And she didn't say shit to me. So I said, okay. It didn't take it didn't take me no more. I said, okay, that's cool. I got you. Got the vibe. But then the director, Craig Brewer, had asked if we could have a conversation because we did have to play sisters and we did have to interact. And if she wasn't speaking to me, how are we going to do that? So, you know, I won't say who came to who, but we had a conversation. 
It was very nice. She was able to get some years old stuff off her chest. I received that as two black women and we were able to uh, go head on. Now, are we going to be spooning anytime soon? I don't think so, but we definitely can work together again at this point, you know? I love it. I think she I think she actually did the best work of her life and career in coming to America. That's what I think. That's my opinion. Well, that's, you know, that that's coming off the heels of another comedian. Some woman just put her on blast saying that she stole her jokes. Do people still steal jokes in comedy these days, especially with like the Internet and social media and people being able to put viral clips up of work that they're doing? I mean, I guess so. See, with me being the original bad girl of comedy and being as original as I am, it would be hard to steal my material without the public actually knowing. The public's not stupid no more. They know whose material belongs to who, just like they know whose record is whose. And if you've been you know, known for a certain thing, you've been doing it for years, and somebody new comes up and literally does your material, it's known. So you can do that, but you kind of look like a hack. I have had people do material that's very similar to mine at times, but I don't think that I'm the only one with a certain uh, opinion about something. You know, somebody else may see something exactly the same way I do, but if they word it, you know, word for word, what I say, then that's when we have problem. In the old days, it would it would rate a beat down. You get your ass whooped for stealing somebody's material, but you know, anybody doing that no more, you just can look fucking stupid, and I'm still gonna be the baddest bitch, you know. <laughs> Have yes. have you ever have you ever seen somebody's performance and been inspired by something they said and it created a new joke for you? Is that okay in the comedy world? Well, yeah, inspiration comes from anywhere. You can totally be inspired by another comedian. You know, like there's a girl named Gina Yashere. She's black. She's from London, and she um, came over here and she currently writes for Bob Hart's Abishola which is like this African show that's really fucking funny. I watched it on the plane the other day. Got renewed for a second or third season. And watching comics from somewhere that's not like America, like watching a Jamaican comedian or a comedian, uh, maybe even from the Deep South or a comedian from New York or from London, that inspires me because that's different than the normal shit that you hear every day. Hmm. That's so dope yep. that you mentioned Gina. I'm a, I'm a big fan of hers, but oh, she tends cool. she's amazing. But she tends to sometimes st- the comedy tends to get a little political. And I know some comedians don't like being political, while other comedians make it part of their thing. How do you feel about putting social commentary into your comedy? Because the whole world feels woke these days. It's almost hard to avoid it. Well, I have a little social commentary in my act. I would be remiss as a black person not to, you know, considering what we've gone through within the last year yesterday, if you feel me, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So, of course, I have some political commentary, but my political commentary comes from the standpoint of all black and brown people. So I'm a little in the Paul Mooney vein right there. Well, I'm a little Mm -hmm. preachy, but it's cold-blooded, but it's funny. You know how Paul used to tell shit and be so cold and you'd be like, do it like this. And the white folks be like, oh my God. But we're like, ooh, because that's so cold. Yeah, that's me. That's how I do that. Well, speaking of Paul Mooney, you were close to him. And I don't know if it was you that I called. And I think I called you and asked you if you could help me get an interview with him recently. Was it you? I don't think so. Was it you or Tiffany? You or Tiffany. I had just recently called somebody and said, could you help me get a an interview with him and they were like, eh, I don't think it's going to happen. Then he recently passed. I know you guys were close. 
Um, what do you think about his impact on comedy? And do you th- what do you think he's leaving behind? Well, I think he's one of the last of the great ones in that era of Richard and Red Fox and even Cosby and stuff like that. You know, he used to be at the comedy store when nothing but Jews were allowed in there. You know, um, he uh, helped crack or kick the door open to blacks being able to come up in there and, and wreck shop. And henceforth, we ended up with a, a night called Fat Tuesday that was very popular and, and went on for years. Um, Paul Mooney is also one of the last of the don't give a fuck people. I, I come from that school. He don't give a fuck. He's never given a fuck. He said what he wanted to say, like it or not. And there was a definite market for people who wanted to hear what the fuck he had to say. Because oftentimes they felt the same damn way. And that's why people go to comedy shows to hear, does anybody feel like me, you know? And um, Mooney is just, like I said, one of the greats. He was my inspiration. He was my mentor. He was my father. He was my brother. He was my everything. I'm glad to have been by his side when he started, you know, ailing a little bit towards um, the end of his stand-up appearances. And I had his back and, you know, as well-documented, we're both from Oakland, you know. We've had a, a relationship for for probably thirty years. Mm. So um, I'm very, you know, um, touched by his passing. But hey, we all got to ride that bus one day. See, when I think of you, I think of you as one of the greats. I always, even when me and Tiffany are talking, I always talk about you, 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 and the other person I think of that just comes to mind is Monique. You know, in terms of like raw comedy, I remember watching you when you came to Stockton, the shit you were saying, I was like, she, she need to go to jail. This is, <laughs> you know, they, they used to, it's, it's still that way. It's still that way. I, I will never forget one of the jokes you said when you were telling the story about a conversation you were having with your daughter about her gay father or something. And and the way you told it, though, the storytelling. My, my daughter's father is not gay, by the way, but, you know, I might have said that. My daughter's father very, very not gay because I don't sleep with gay men. No, Obviously, it, I make babies. It was, it, was a, well, it was a joke. It was a joke. But with the way oh. you were telling the joke so, so effortlessly and your storytelling ability and then just the punchlines be so crazy, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, like, could you... St- what do you think about cancel culture? Like, I feel like you can't say or do anything now. When you look at an Eddie Murphy bar, you look at your, you know, stand up. It's very different than the political correctness that I feel is eroding in our industry right now. What do you think about it? Well, you know, you can strive to be a comedian or you can strive to be a great one. Mm-hmm. See, I strive to be great and to be great you cannot give a fuck about a cancel culture. You're letting the the you're letting people who don't know you follow you because cancel culture are new people. Uh, our fans have been our fans for twenty five and thirty years, loyal. So ca- cancel culture is is new people. You can't allow them to come in and ruin your whole legacy by one motherfucking statement. You know, they ha- your writer dies have to outnumber the cancel culture people. That's the only way that that could work. And if you are worried about being canceled, then you need to go and get a day job and say, fuck it in the goddamn way with your scary ass. <laughs> do, do you feel like it's going to be a reset sometime soon where it will get back to that culture of people be able to say how they feel 
and everybody doesn't have to be hypersensitive. Do you feel like it, it's about to get to that point? Because I feel like we're hitting like this this peak of the sensitivity. How do you feel about it? Well, we're there now. Like I say, if you have the balls to not give a shit, you know, I had have done things on Instagram before that got me drug. But if you sit up there and read it, yeah, you might get in your feeling. Just delete the shit in about two or three days. It's going to be gone on to the next fucking scandal with the next motherfucker. You know, you just cannot allow a computer and shit that's in there to run your life. Now, if these people was coming up to you in your face in the street, then we would have problems. Then we would have problems. But you can't, you can't let the internet shit get to you. But you really only understand that as you get older and get more wisdom. Because for people younger generation, what the internet says is everything. It's their church and shit. They live by that shit. Well, speaking of cancel culture, when you see what's happening to Ellen, you know, she was everybody's sweetheart, this nice, lovable person that, you know, everybody loved and all that. And then come to find out she was Cruella DeVille behind the scenes, allegedly. When you see what's happening allegedly. with her, what do you think? I mean, did you know her? Um, I did not know her. However, I did get hired for a project that she was producing. And Ellen at the time was number two in daytime. Wendy was number one and remains there. And when it got, and, and her, her, I don't want to say the demographic of her crew, but I'll tell you off the air, the type of people that were working there. Um, yeah, all, all white is just the beginning of it. And I was the only black person for like, you know, it, for for like as far as I could see, and when it got around that I was Wendy's girl, because I am, they made up a lie and got me fired. Now, I don't get fired from gigs, okay? I get brought in, but this was the first time that I had experienced that. Now, if her people that were around her are any indication of how she was, then yeah, I can believe this shit. You know, um, I find it very unfortunate because I loved Ellen. I wanted to be on Ellen. I wanted to dance with Ellen. I wanted Ellen <laughs> to be my friend. But, you know, if your staff is fucked up, the apple don't fall far from the tree. The fish tank from the from the neck down. So That's true. No, you know, no, you, she, she got enough money. She can sit her ass down, spend some time with Portia, produce some shit. You know, sit down for a while. You know, you, you brought up Wendy, and I was just on Wendy's show this week, and um, she, you know, she always talks about you on the show, and it's funny that she and I have our relationship, and you and her have your relationship, and I don't even know if she knows our relationship, but what do you think makes it to where you and her are so close, and she relies on you to talk to when she's talking through or working through things, and where do you think her and Nene went wrong? Ooh. Mm. Um, <laughs> well, I think that when you are in a position of power, as Miss Williams is, when you are extremely wealthy, like Miss Williams is, and she's from wherever the fuck it is, she is in Jersey, 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 Jersey. Yeah, Jersey. But you were in Jersey as a privileged girl. I think that it may be actually refreshing to have a whole black ass girlfriend like me that keeps a 100 and don't pull no punches and don't give a shit about none of that. I think that 
She appreciates my bluntness because she's very blunt, as we all know. I think she appreciates my respect because, say what you will, I do respect her greatly. Um, because all the odds were stacked against her to ever make it to television. I never even thought they would put nobody with no titties that big on daytime TV. So how wrong I was. But um, I, I guess maybe that's it. And if she talks to me, she knows I'm going to, you know, I'm like an old sage. You know, I'm older than she is. And she's lost her mother as well. So I don't know, maybe like an auntie type of vibe she might feel. I really don't know because, you know, we don't get all warm and fuzzy like that and shit. <laughs> Um, the other question, when her, uh, what was the other when, question? Her, when her and Nene fell out, I just recently interviewed Nene. It hasn't come out yet, but I told her that I saw that relationship falling apart, uh, before it even really started. Um, what did you think? Well, I thought it was fake from the get go as it was. Ooh. And I thought it was just a screen grab for both of them. Certainly didn't hurt Nene to be palling around with Wendy. Certainly didn't hurt Wendy to be palling around with Nene. It came for a season. They both used each other. They both said, fuck you, fuck you, and plotted and went on about their way. I mean, simple. I love Lunell. What do you think about about Jocelyn when she came on the show? Did you watch that train wreck? That was Yes, I did. (laughs) You know, when people command respect, you don't have to command respect. If you, you've earned it, then you get it automatically, you know? And I think they're trying to push and tell somebody uh, that you need to put some respect on my name when you're talking to somebody who's in the Broadcasting Hall of Fame, somebody who is a producer, somebody who's been on television, somebody who's won Emmys, who's somebody who's never done reality TV, and somebody like that, you're talking to them, that person on their show uh, for just a screen grab. You know, they, they 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 know that it's going to genre attention. They need attention for their television show, which I've never seen. Look like strippers, strip, stripper class or something like that. But, um, uh, you know, that's I'm not surprised. Jocelyn has been the same person since we've ever met her, you know. And uh, she's had some really fucking funny moments at other people's expense, you know. So, I mean, you know, hell, Wendy knew who the fuck she was booking when she booked her. All right, so so yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it did work out for both of them too because it did numbers and everybody yeah. watched it. And of course, good. of course, and that was the goal, you know. Yeah. There's no bad publicity, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So they did it. I, 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 if I, I got a lot of celebrities. I have one in my house today that I have great relationships with, and I don't go out to be seen with them. Like we do a lot of shit at the crib, you know. I prefer what? my real relationships to be real. I don't have to flaunt. Hey, look, we're friends. I mean, you know, that's suspect. Wait, who, wait, who was know? it? Who? Who? There was at my house today? Yeah. Darius McCrary. Oh, yeah, Darius. How's he been? Eddie Winslow? I love him. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So our rumors get started. Hold on, hold on. I've known you for too long. You got all new hair. Your makeup mm-hmm. is big. You 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 glowing. You you losing weight. Everything. What, what's going on with you and Darius? Y'all y'all cuddling. Well, you know I have a YouTube show myself, um, uh, uh, and it's called Hey Lunell. And actually, he he came in about a third of the way from the ending of the show, 
And, you know, if anybody cares to go to Hey Lunell on YouTube and see the chemistry between us, then you can judge for yourself what type of relationship you think we have. But we're very, very good friends. Mm. Oh, that was a masterful response. I feel like you're like Jason where you know everybody. Like, just hearing you tell these stories, is there anybody that you've ever wanted to work with that you've never had a chance to, aside from Ellen, obviously? <laughs> well, um, I would be biting off more than I could chew, I know. But I really would like to work with Robert De Niro, you know, since he has such an affinity for Black women any old way. I would love to be in, you know, his presence possibly end up in, in his stable because he gives bitches restaurants and shit. Okay. Wait, so you would fuck Bob De Niro? Oh my God. Today. 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 <laughs> today. That's not what if, I expected. If, if I could get a restaurant. <laughs> oh. Okay, City Girls. I love it. Now he get, you know, he gives, he gives restaurants. You know, Tribeca 1 and 2, that's his ex-wife's restaurants. He's got kids. You know, he got legacy shit for his kids. So, you know, why oh, why can't I? <laughs> okay, look, so um so and no, I wouldn't I wouldn't fuck Robert De Niro's old ass, by the way, even though I oh. love him. No, I wouldn't Why? I mean he I mean, might the, I, I, cause he probably he probably may not he may not be able to fuck anymore right now. Even though he's Robert De Niro, don't mean his dick work. But they got pills for that, Lunell. He could go and get a little blue situation. I don't I don't I uh, I don't, I don't, I don't mess with people who need pills. I'm the motherfucking pill. Hey. Oh, bars. That's bars. Damage. You need to buy you a restaurant. I'm the pill. So look, Damage needs to buy you a restaurant. That's funny. But Robert, if you can have an erection and are having regular sex, congratulations, baby. I love you. Get in my DM. Holler at me because I'll give you a little bit. But I'm not saying that you're impotent. I'm saying it's possible you could be. It's possible damage could be. You never know what's going on in anybody's kidneys and motherfucking spleens and balls, balls and shit. Well, see, I'm not, I don't require the use of a blue pill, but my friend did go to China. Lunel, he found these blue, red, and black pills. I ain't going to lie. There's, it's, it's different levels for different types of situations. So there is mm -hmm. a pill. There's the black pill. What that mean? If you, if there's the black pill. If, you, if, if it's a group of y'all that got to go all day long, It'll get you all the way through. If you're a porn star. Well, well, I'm not a porn star, but I wanted to fuck. No, but I mean, if you were a porn star, would this be something that you would want to invest in? Because no. there's only so many cum shots you can do in a day. No, no, no. Listen, listen to what I'm saying. I, you could take this pill. You don't have to be a porn star, but if you want to fuck like when you can, and it will last you the entire day. But you, you like me, you can't get on the plane and go somewhere because my dick was literally hard from New York to L.A. And it was an uncomfortable it's situation trying to tie that bitch. Well, then you're the one who took the pill. Oh, yeah, I took it because it was a lot. It was a. It was oh, OK, because you left that part out. Well, anyway, mm -hmm. um, but but what but, but but I don't think it's actually healthy. To have your dick engorged for hours, blood that could be up in your brain. It's not. Ooh, it's not, it's not engorged. He said it's not. Yes, girl, engorged. Ooh, yes. I tasted that one now. Okay, <laughs> I'm just saying that's what it is. To be hard that long, your dick has now become engorged with blood. Wait, so you have a podcast? I know, I know about dick. I know about that. Lunell, you have a podcast and I haven't been on it? Uh, that's correct. But I have only 
had my very first in-studio guest last week, and that was Garrett Morris, okay? Okay. So I I have only, you know, I wanted everybody to feel comfortable, but honey, if you would do me the honor of coming on my show, Jason, it's any Wednesday, you pick, you pick a Wednesday, 3 to 4 p.m., Sherman Oaks, or here at my house. I'm at my house studio right now. Yeah, I will absolutely come. Are you crazy? I'm going to figure that out. I want to. because the- Any Wednesday, that'll be fire. It's only right you should come on mine. Look, look listen, the, the in-studio energy with Lunell and I is crazy. Um, the last time yeah. you were here, I, I asked you about Lonnie Love. I'm not going to ask you about her because every time I ask people about her, I get the same reaction. But I did want to ask you... Um, it's COVID. You look great. The hair, I love your hair exactly how it is. The color, the texture, the length. Because um, I don't think I've ever seen you with hair that long. Exactly. Nobody has. Not for fucking, not since I was fucking, not for years, 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 years. I haven't had no hair. This is the longest my hair has ever, my daughter's never seen my hair this long. But it looks really good. I mean, do you like it? I know, it? it just grew. Yeah, it just grew during quarantine because I wasn't going to the barbershop. And I wasn't letting my barber come over. So what it's going to do, it's going to grow. I just kept bleaching the shit. And then it, <laughs> it has its own beautiful little curly soft texture. And the men love it. And then the weight loss came because I had them double knee surgeries. And I wasn't in the club drinking every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday during the quarantine. It's the liquor. Because I, I rehabbed from the surgeries in Texas with my sister. That bitch was cooking oxtail, neck bone, meatloaf, and shit like that. So it couldn't have been the diet. It had to be the liquor. Shit, I didn't even lose no weight when I was smoking crack cocaine. The fuck? Wow. Wait, did you, um, <laughs> do you feel better after the surgery? And do you feel better after the, losing the weight? Because you look great. It has, it has get the, the, the surgery mostly, the weight definitely, it has given me my whole new life back. Because literally when you have knee pain or hip pain, I would imagine, the shit to help you walk, that, like my knees felt like every day with every little step I take, I had been hit in the knee by Tanya Harding or some shit like that. And that was terrible. No cartilage, bone on bone. It was terrible. And had I had to live the rest of my life like that, I probably wouldn't have made it another three years. I probably would have killed myself, literally. The, oh, so having dude. the surgeries has changed my life, given me my life back. I can work. I can do these multiple shows. I'm booked like a motherfucker, booked and busy, and I'm going to be able to keep all my commitments and, and not be the old, decrepit lady. You know, I got my life back. Anybody that needs it need to quit fucking around with getting titties and ass and go get your motherfucking joints fixed. For real. Now, now that's why I said when I had gained all the weight, I had gotten the, You knew me when I was 16 years old. You knew me when yes, I, I did. Beautiful. Beautiful. You knew Aww. this Jason right here. I had gained, I was up to 322 pounds. Wow. I went to Texas and had that surgery. And motherfuckers was on my Instagram talking about, oh, you doing it the lazy way. Bitch, I'm doing it the way I can afford. If I can pay for it, I can, I, I can do what the fuck I got to do. Whatever helps you uh, with all, all the bitches that's doing it in this town. Do you know how many hoes I know in the industry that got cut the fuck up, chopped up? During this motherfucking quarantine, do you know? I, I, would, I would, you would fall out your fucking chair. So if that's what the fuck you had to do for you, that's what you had to do. You look great, so that's the goal, right? 
Right. No, and I'm so glad to hear that you're feeling better and happy because yes, very. You know, we don't talk as often as we used to because I know we're all busy. But I do think about you a lot, and I am very happy for you because I really believe you're the funniest female comedian I've seen ever. Like, I, I mean, I every show. I heard you say that to other bitches, nigga. Don't play me. No, no, you haven't. No, you have not. Not. I've not said the funniest. That I've seen, because I'm telling when you came to Stockton, I went to every single show. She I received played. that. That's true. That's true. You know, no, J- Jason and I have total history back when we was young and hungry and doing things and scrapping and fighting to get shit done. Jason was working with the kids. Jason was putting on shows. Jason was doing shit. I was hustling. I was everywhere, every motherfucking club, every motherfucking theater. I was at it. And that's how far we go back. And we're very successful now. And all praises be to Allah, honey, because, you know, we definitely put in the work. And even though we both survived COVID, during COVID, they actually try to tell you how to manage your household with your daughter and telling you what you should or shouldn't do or how you should or shouldn't handle your daughter being in your house during COVID. What did you think about that? No, nobody told me shit. I made the statement that, See, my daughter don't even live with me. She lives down the street. Praise God for that. But it was the coming in and out at this very crucial time. It was the coming in and out and having a boyfriend and coming in and out and coming in and out that I had said, y'all got to be in or out. But you can't keep running and bringing possible virus up in here. And that is what I had said. Nobody said that for me. I don't know how they ran it. I don't know how they spun it, but that is what happened. But of course, COVID or no COVID, a mother can't be away from a child forever. Mm. I can't talk to you through a screen forever. I got to touch my baby. I've been without my baby before. I've been not behind a screen, but behind bars. Mm. So I had. I said I risk it all for her. So eventually, I let it let her back. That doesn't sound too bad because that's a that's a rule I heard growing up. Don't be running in and out. That's like classic. <laughs> before COVID, <laughs> in or out, motherfucker. Don't come back in here. But do be in here before the street lights come on. Exactly. Wait, so you said earlier that you were on crack. I don't think we've ever talked about that. Oh, I'm the only female comic that probably do talk about it. Yeah, I could rock up some cocaine right now. It's like riding a bike. You never forget it. And it was just at that time in Oakland, man, when, you know, everybody from school teachers to bus drivers to librarians to crosswalk people everybody was on crack cocaine they had dropped that shit and that shit took over in oakland i don't know about stockton i don't know oh, about no, richmond no, my mother, my mother about... was my mother was on it too it, it was it was around the the 80s the late 80s early 90s yeah mm-hmm. and how, it was how get, epidemic how did but you, you know i never you? was uh i always had my dignity about this shit i did as much scandalous shit as the next motherfucker but you would never know it you know what i'm saying unless i was mm-hmm. doing scandalous shit with you you know, and the way that you don't get busted or get TMZ to say, what about your crack cocaine use in the past? They talk about the shit. I ain't got no skeletons. You can't go back in my closet. My closet door is wide the fuck open. I ain't got no secrets like that. You feel me? But that's my how power. You, how did you get off of crack, though? That's such a huge thing to be addicted to. And you seem like you did you go cold turkey? Did you go into a program? How did you get off of it? I met my future husband. And two weeks later, I put the pipe down. I never touched it again in my life. I guess I was lonely and I had money. And when I met my husband, two weeks later, I put the pipe down. I ain't touched that motherfucking 20 years because we'll be married 
20 years in August, and we got married 90 days after we met. Mm. Oh, I love that. Sorry, Damage. I, I hate to break this to you, baby. I know that you thought there may be one day, and I was down, but I am spoken for, you know? It's hurting me right now. It's hurting me. <laughs> let me let me rub it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> here, come here, let mommy kiss it. Make damage, it feel put better. your titties away, damage. Put your titties <laughs> away. <laughs> Is that all it took, damage? Just a wink from Lunell? That's all it from took. From Lunell. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> That's all it took. Listen, um, I have to tell you, since you were here last, um, I, you made me go and watch The Star is Born, and I found my gay ass sitting up crying over this fucking movie that you were in. It was such a good movie. It was it was beyond good movie. I don't even know how to really- It was it. beyond. It was beyond. Yeah. and It was. And, and then Borat, I, he had another movie come out, and I was mad I didn't see you in that one because you made the first one hilarious. Um, do you still talk to these people after you leave? Because it's interesting watching you all have chemistry on set, and then we think in our heads you guys are somewhere hanging out at you know Outback Steakhouse or something. But people yeah. really link up again. That's just like when people used to think that Angie and um, what was the name of all my all my oh, children? Yeah. Yes, they yes. used to think that they was fucking married in real life. They wanted that to happen, you know. Um, no, I don't talk to them anymore except for Ken Davidian from time to time. Uh, there were only five actors in the movie, Pam Anderson, Sasha, me. Um, uh, yeah, uh, Pam Anderson, Sasha, me, Ken Davidian, and another chick that was in Baywatch, but she was only in the special features, which you could only see on the, on the DVD or unless it's on YouTube now or something like that. Um, as far as the second Borat goes, I was paid to be in it. And we were going back to Romania, which is where the Kazakhstani scenes were shot, but COVID shut us down. So they had to film the movie and get it done by the deadline the best they could. They couldn't do my shit. I don't care. I got the check. Run me my coin. Now, in looking at the movie, I'm already mad because in the first movie, at the end of the first movie, he and I got married. I became the queen of Kazakhstan. We had two little interracial kids at our feet at the end of the movie. When he come with the new movie, his motherfucking daughter is some blonde white chick, no mention of his ex-wife, and where's your motherfucking kid? So it really wasn't a good sequel out the gate because they wasn't addressing our motherfucking marriage, which was real, you understand? <laughs> right. I remained the queen of Kazakhstan. But And when he married you in the first movie, you was a hoe, right? Oh. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. definitely a hoe. He found me in the phone book, if you will recall. Oh my God, I live. Definitely a hoe. Oh, definitely. <laughs> and, and, and there are so many stories just about even buying the wardrobe, being in the South, you know, walking on dirt roads in uh, Stiletto Hills, being on white folks' porch and knocking on their door when a black person they never even been through their front door before, being in houses where you saw black folks in their real kitchen, mansions. Uh, Successionist Confederate flag, all that shit. That's the houses that we filmed in, and you had to go to a new house if you wanted to shoot a, a scene again because you couldn't do it to that family again because they didn't know. They thought they were doing a documentary. We always got kicked out the house, <laughs> and they called the police always. And I mean, it's the psychoest shit I've ever done. My little ass sitting on Crenshaw one day, and on a plane to Bucharest, Romania the next day 
to do some shit called Borat, and I didn't even know what it was. And then it drops the same time I'm, I'm on tour with Cat Williams. So that was more money, more money, mm. more money. It's the most lucrative film I've done in my career. Wait, when you saw when you saw the scene with Rudy Giuliani and his pants and all that, what did you think? Because you you did the. Movie. I was like, "Oops, you're busted! Oops, you're busted!" Because that's Sasha's whole thing is to show America what motherfuckers are saying, thinking, and feeling when they think nobody's looking. He rips the fucking little curtain off the bullshit, and Giuliani thought he was about to get served by that little young girl. Yes, he did. <laughs> Awkward. It was awkward. <laughs> explain that one. <laughs> Ricky, explain that one to Lucy because that shit was awkward. You're nasty and you're old and you're nasty and you low-key pedophile, nigga. What do you think what do you think about TI and Tiny and all the people that's coming out saying that um they, you know, take it to advantage of them, some minors, some drugs, some rape, allegedly. I'd rather not comment on that subject if you don't. Okay, that's a first for you, Lunell, to not comment on something. Yeah, I got my reason. I respect that. Okay, so let's talk about the Wall of Fame induction at the Comedy Store, because yes. not a lot of people could uh, be hung there. How important was that for you to leave your mark there? After all the hustling that a chick has to do in this business, for me, that felt like me getting my star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, you know. Mm. I've been to that club with my suitcase before. I've stood in front of that club waiting for people who said I could stay with them before. I've worked my way from room to room to room in that club. I've worked my way up to where I can actually park in the back. I thought that when they revealed our names, which big names were not up there, Cedric and uh, Kim Whitley and uh, Guy and Joe Torrey and all, all these kind of things. I thought that the, the 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 area of wall where our names were, I thought they were just being revealed for photos, and that they were going to take that and put it in the back of the club. I really didn't believe that they were going to have our names on the front of the club where you have to pass us to go in. You know, it's a hugely big honor for me and I know I've been working hard enough and working in that club to deserve it. I'm glad that it happened. You know, that was Guy Tory that made that happen. Just like, you know, they, they never would have thought to put our names up there and give a fuck. But Guy fought for us. But it's just like with Tyler having the sound stages dedicated to all those black icons. Out of all the movies that Cecily Tyson Halle Berry, um, uh, uh, Ossie Davis and Ruby D, and Whoopi Goldberg. Out of all the movies that they've done for Paramount, Universal, Warner Brothers, Sony, none of those studios would have never, ever given a fucking thought to put none of their names on the side of a garage, let alone a motherfucking soundstage. And Tyler did that and did it while Cecily was alive to see it. Anything I've ever said about Tyler Perry, I've already taken it back. The motherfucker's a boss and a G, and he did that. Hmm. That's Amen. crazy. When you say that, I never even um, put it in that perspective before. You know, because I've said well, there it about, is. I've mm-hmm. said a lot about Tyler too. I'm not going to take it back though, because I do think he's the first. Well, not the first drag queen, but he's the second most successful drag queen in the business. But you know, I, I do. Who's agree, the like, first one? Drew, RuPaul. Uh, RuPaul. 
What about Flip Wilson? Oh, you took it back. What about Geraldine, honey? Geraldine was major. Boyfriend killer. Yeah. Wait. Give props. Give props where they go. We got to give props where they go. You know what I mean? Flip Flip Wilson was a drag queen. I didn't know that. He had a character called Geraldine that was extremely popular. Extremely. Geraldine was in a dress every week. Had a boyfriend named Killer. Was sexy and slinky, and that was Flip Wilson in that dress and wig. She was the original Medea. She she would be mad at you for saying that a Geraldine. (laughs) fancies herself way sexier than Medea. Okay, well, Tyler, you're in the top three. But no, I think that's Dre. I never thought about in that context that, like, you know, he did come from nothing and build such, a, um, you know, a, a significant imprint in the culture and then to be able to honor our people. And I was mad. Yeah, and we filmed, I'm sorry, but we filmed Coming to America on that lot. So every day we passed those sound stages. We saw the iconic shit. It was a certain sense of pride every day when you went to work there. And the fact that this used to be a Confederate army base that this black man bought, which is mm-hmm. bigger than Paramount, Sony, Warner Brothers, and uh, the uh, and 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 um, the other fucking mm-hmm. studio I just mentioned. Yeah, all put together. Yeah. His studio is bigger than theirs all put together. Yeah, we so he did that. that. We shot wilding out on that lot. I don't know if you took the tour to go back and see like all the houses. Of course I did. That's Maxineville. Yeah, it's amazing. It is amazing. And named after his mother. And those houses aren't just the front like they are at Universal when they did uh, whatever that that show they used to do. Um, that that those were just the fronts of houses. All Tyler's houses are built to spec. They have running water, air conditioning, and heat. And when he was still making movies during COVID. I heard that you come there with your family if you want. You take a COVID test and you go to one of those houses and that is where you stay until the movie is finished filming so you don't be going in and out, in and out. Bring your family because your houses can accommodate everybody. Is that something? That's something. So have you thought about doing another stand-up show, like a special? Because I feel like we need something right now that's just raw, and um, just Lunell. Well, of course, there's things in the works, but see, I am not doing a special for anybody unless it's really fucking special. See, I come from the era, because there's a whole bunch of motherfuckers got specials, and you never heard from them again. They ain't, they ain't nobody. They just did a special, but it wasn't special. I want my yeah. special to be special. The specials back in the day, if you did a special, no, if you did like Carson or you did Arsenio or something like that, then the next day, like you had a, some kind of deal and you would do a special, you'd be off to the races, then you get a sitcom and all that kind of shit. But these specials ain't doing nothing for nobody. So as talented as I feel I am, I want my motherfucking money. I want to be paid justly. I want to do it for some major thing, not, you know, no shade on Hulu and stuff like that, but I want my shit, you know, big. Showtime, Netflix, HBO, something like that. You know, something major. And I want to film it in Oakland, by the way, at the Fox Theater, and that's what I want. And until I can get what I want, I'm okay not doing the special. So let all these other hacks do one and get the fuck out the way for when Mama comes through and I'm going to show you how it's done. Amen. Now, um, we we love you here at Hollywood Unlocked and want you to always uh, come back anytime that you want, even if we're not talking about shit, uh, but the air. And you look good. 
And I hope you're not out there trying to make no COVID babies because I know you got some man oh. other than Eddie Winslow stopping by. Let me let me let me tell you something. If if I get pregnant, <laughs> you get a car. You get a car. <laughs> you get a car. <laughs> Cause I'm gonna be so paid if I get pregnant. Shit, I already had a baby by a comedian. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. That's that ship. That ship has sailed. But damn it, you know mm-hmm. I always did want you to do some damage. Oh, okay. I always thought damage with you with a pretty smile. He thought I was playing. I'm just cause an old lady, but baby, let me tell you something, son. Uh, you are a very cute young man. And Thank if you. you ever need a soft shoulder to cry on one lonely rainy night, I just want you to know that I'm only a phone call away, baby. Yeah, I'll be in the neighborhood. What about tomorrow. me? You just gave up on me? That took a turn. Yes. I love it. Yes, Jason. That's like incest. You're like my brother. Fuck out of here. Exactly. Jason. Well, and I'm gay. I'll drive damage to your house, Luna. How about that? I'll just be the chauffeur. You just want to watch. You freak ass. I do. I do. You can tell. Freak. Yeah, it's so the baby you, face. You may feel fool some, but you don't fool me. Take one and no one. I get it. She's on to me. Oh my god, she okay. got you. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, listen, the Hey Lunel podcast and YouTube series. You got to go check it out. And I'm gonna officially make my way over there now that I've yes, I've, yes, 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 yes. Okay, and come back anytime, Lunel. And you guys follow me on Instagram if you like. And it's just at Lunell on Instagram, L-U-E-N-E-L-L. I wish you all the best. Stay healthy. Don't let nobody get on your motherfucking nerves. Drop motherfuckers like a hot potato if you have to, because it ain't no more. Ain't nobody got time for playing. If you if you come out of this quarantine the same as you went in, you, you've already lost the battle. We ought to be having new breath, new attitude, new energy, new everything. The go-getters need to fucking go get it. Quit, quit being pass, passive and let's go get our shit. It belongs to us, damn it. Yes, let's go. And that's to be said after that. We love you, Linnell. We love you. Peace, everybody. Thank you, Jason. Damage. <laughs> Bye. All right, look, that was a great show. And make sure you keep coming back because we got all types of amazing interviews and topics that are going to make you go crazy. Uh Uh-huh, that's right. That means like, subscribe, do everything you need to do to make sure you stay up to date with what we got going on. And ladies, stay tuned in because you know I have your back. And listen, make sure that you're commenting below because even though I say I don't read it on the show, that's all I do when it's over. Peace.